following program is pre-recorded. Live from the Hope Center in Plano, Texas, this is Hope in the Night. Late night talk radio offering biblical hope and practical help. And on the air now for over 25 years. I'm Jeff Oliver here with author and speaker June Hunt. June, in our culture, the, the practice of drinking alcohol is glamorized. And we see it in movies. We see it in, in commercials. And uh, one, one particular drink that I can think of recently has been uh, the subject of <laughs> a lot of controversy and been canceled and then uncanceled and canceled again by oh, different yeah, people. Right. And, you know, so yeah. we hear a lot about it. So what is just let's just go through what is what is alcoholism and, uh, you know, some of its effects on a person? Well, uh, um, I, first thing I think of is an uncle that uh, I never saw him out of control um, but I never saw him drinking either and but he was an alcoholic and he made such unwise decisions um, so that he lost his business lost his wife who went off with his business partner and uh, he ultimately took his life and I remember um, the concern my mother had for her brother. Um, ultimately, when you think of alcoholism, as in, in other words, there's alcohol, and then there is when someone has an addiction, um, and you're right about, and this would not be unusual, whether you're, you see football fans gathering for a game, just, you know, alcohol froze, mm. flows uh, freely. Yeah. And, but alcohol is an intoxicating um, product. And it is very interesting when you really look at the issue of alcohol's effect on the body. It's directly related to the amount of that's consumed you know like one 12 ounce beer has about the same effect of alcohol uh, the amount of alcohol is one um, five ounce glass of wine uh, a 1.5 ounce shot of hard liquor and the amount of alcohol consumed is what affects the person the most not the type of alcoholic drink. Alcoholism um, is more than an inability to put down a drink. It's a diagnosable medical condition that affects thousands of people, millions of people worldwide, uh, regardless of race or income level. Um, negatively impacts every organ of the body uh, long-term um, with moderate to excessive use alcohol can create brain heart liver uh, pancreas um, yeah. or, or the immune system issues in all those areas of the body it's not always easy to recognize the majority of alcoholics uh, can be very uh, good, if you will, or talented at hiding 
their addiction uh, even from themselves, and many will not uh, recognize it. I think the issue that I have seen when I, years ago, just looked up all of the scriptures that dealt with alcohol, uh, I was surprised at some of the things that I I saw. Um, it's uh, like um, many many of the scriptures, which are all all cautionary. Um, Wine is a mocker, beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. And that's Proverbs 20, verse 1. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and champions at mixing drinks. Isaiah 5, 22. Um, uh, Do not get drunk on wine, uh, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Uh, there, there are just so many scriptures. Now, I'm very aware that Jesus turned the water into wine, meaning there's a passage. Um, I've continued to hear that the level of alcohol in in biblical, biblical times when it, it was used more as a drink, a lot of times there was... Um, problem with water at, uh, and uh, it could be used in, in even a medicinal way. Take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Hmm. But it's the excess that's, that's the problem. And in this case what we, we know is there should be great caution. Um, I made a decision years ago not to drink because of my Uncle Billy. And I thought, do I really need to drink? Do I have to? And and um, I, I could see no reason why I had to. I just, there was a scripture that said, um, do not eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble or be made weak. And I, I didn't want somebody to follow my example if that person could possibly be an alcoholic. Now, I, I believe everybody is responsible for their decisions, but that can uh, make an ex- Are you struggling with a difficult life issue? Maybe it's a family problem, a private struggle, or something in your past you've never resolved. The good news is you're not alone. Sometimes we need to talk things through with someone who will listen to our story and help make sense of what we're experiencing. For more than 20 years on Hope in the Night, June Hunt has listened to thousands of personal stories, heartaches and challenges from people like you, and provided compassionate counsel from God's Word. No matter what the issue is, family, marriage, anxiety, abuse, grief, or just the daily stresses of work and life, June would love to talk with you and share help and hope through God's Word. If you'd like to talk with June on Hope in the Night, give us a call at 1-800-917. We'll protect your privacy and sharing your story might bless someone else's life. Give us a call today at 1-800-917. That's 1-800-644-4817. The sound you're hearing is your generosity at work. 
That's our folding machine preparing hundreds of our short biblical resources to send to prisoners around the country. Hi, I'm Curtis Hale, president of Hope for the Heart. I want to say thank you for your prayers and financial support of our ministry. Thanks to your generosity, we've been able to send thousands of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to prisoners in Texas and to Rikers Island in New York City. These practical resources are pointing inmates to the hope of God's Word on issues like anger, abuse, depression, loneliness, salvation, and more. They're truly changing lives, and this is all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more life-changing biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. Listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver, and we'll get to our caller in a moment. If you have any questions about the topic of alcohol uh, or drug abuse, we have the Keys for Living with that title, subtitled Breaking Free and Staying Free. And uh, that is available if you'd like to call customer support at 800 488 Hope. We also recommend our Keys for Living on Habits and Addictions called Success in Self Control. And uh, they would uh, want to point you in the right direction. Uh, we have over 100 of what we call Keys for Living that provide biblical hope and practical help on so many topics. In fact, over 100 topics there, and uh, just talk to customer support. They'll be uh, happy to recommend the right ones, get those into your hands pretty quickly. They're available Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time at 800-488-HOPE, 800-488-4673. If you'd like to take a look for yourself at the website, just go to hopefortheheart.org slash store. You can find all of the resources that are available from our ministry. We'd like to, uh, again, help you to get the right ones into your hands and uh, see those. So if you'd like to do that, again, the website is hopefortheheart.org slash store. Let's uh, turn to our caller for tonight. We have a listener on WFCJ in Indiana. Tonight we welcome Loretta. Well, hello, Loretta. Hello, Miss June. How are you? I'm blessed. Welcome to Hope. How can we help you? Well, I'm 71 years old. I'll be 72 next month. Uh, I live in Indiana. Um, I met my husband years ago in Ohio, and he was studying to be a pastor. Ah. He was going to a seminary here, and uh, we were married for 39 years. Mm. Oh. I'm sorry. That's he, okay. He passed, away, he passed away in October of 2022. Um, mm. He's not the man that I married, because the man that I married was a man of God, and he had changed drastically um, because... Some of the churches that we went to, they were very pressing on him. They were putting on too much responsibility on him, and he could not handle all the pressure. So he changed, and he started to drink. Mm. And I could not stop him. I tried. I, I offered to um, call AA, you know, to get help, to go to a support group. And one night I offered, you know, you know, hey, can I call AA for you? And he got very offensive to me, and he came after me with a butcher knife. 
and he put it under my neck, and then he talked, but it wasn't his voice. It was very demonic, and he said, "Um, you know, I could kill you right now if I wanted to, and I said, you're not Kevin. You are somebody else. You're, You're the devil, and I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of him, and he just laughed, and he says, he, 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 like that. And I didn't know what to do. And his eyes were like fire. And mm. so I just did not know what to do. So um, I brought my knee up, and I hit him, not hard, but I hit him in the groin area. And mm-hmm. he dropped his knife. I had a cat, so I grabbed the cat. I ran down the hall to the bedroom, and I locked the door. And thank God there was no key. I don't know why there wasn't a key, but there was no key to that room, so I locked myself in the room overnight, and the cat, uh, she was a rescue cat. She uh, never slept with us, but that night she slept with me, and <laughs> she put her paw up on my shoulder when I was crying mm. my eyes out, uh. and she was putting her paw on my shoulder like saying, you know, it's okay, Mommy, I'm here for you, and I will take care of you. <laughs> and she was so comforting yeah. to me that night. And I was just crying and crying, and he came on down the hallway, and he knocked on, he banged on the door, demanded that I open the door, and I would not do it. Kept doing that all night long. Yes. And uh, so I just did not answer, and uh, it wasn't his voice either. It was still this demon voice, and Mm. uh, so I just did not answer him at all. And uh, finally, he stopped knocking on the door, and then in the morning. His voice came back to normal, and he knocked on the door gently. And he said, please open the door, Loretta. And I said, okay. And so I opened up the door, and he said, why didn't you come to bed last night? And I said, don't you remember what happened And last night? And he says, no. And I said, you tried to kill me with a knife. And he says, no. He said, I would never do that. I said, you did. And I took him to the kitchen, and the knife was still on the floor. And he did not remember that at all. He was diabetic, too. He had problems with the sugar. But he uh, did not remember that, and he apologized, and he hugged me and said that he loved me. And he took me out to breakfast, and then he gave me $50 to go out to Michael's, and he said, you do whatever you want with this and take your time. And that was kind of nice. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've just had problems dealing with this because... That was just one church, and then there was some other churches that put pressure on him, too, until he just couldn't take it anymore, and he just drank more and more beer, but it wasn't just beer. Then he hit the uh, hard stuff like bourbon and whiskey, and I thought, oh, my goodness, what is going on with him? This isn't the guy I married. And Mm -hmm. uh, I kept praying for him and hoping that God would change him, but he did not. And... uh, his last church was Pennsylvania, and so we moved there, and we had, and by the way, I had to bury the one cat because she had died of a mini stroke in Virginia, mm. so I buried her. And mm. so then we got two other rescue cats when they were yes. 10 weeks old, and we got them fixed, and we had them for a few years, and uh, uh, we took very good care of them. They were inside cats. They did not have any fleas on them at all. But the church next door to us claimed, they said that we brought fleas into the church. And I said, no, we didn't because our cats don't have fleas. And they said, you're going to have to get rid of your cats. 
Oh, I my goodness. Said, yeah. And I said, we don't have children. These are our kids. And I said, we cannot get rid of these cats. So they made us put them up in a kennel for a month while the exterminator came out once a week to, um, you know, spray the house. And during that whole month, I really missed my babies a lot, you know. Mm. But uh, anyway, so... Uh, they're uh, part of your I, family. I, they are your they, family. And I, they are I, I'm family. a strong believer in precious pets that are, are part they of really the family. Are. And uh, so I called the kennel, you know, about once a week to see how they were doing. <clears throat> I didn't even ask about the fleas. And she said, I just want to tell you right now, there are no fleas on your cats at all. So I oh. said, would you please write a note to this deacon who was claiming that we had cats, I mean fleas, and she wrote a note to him, but he just tore it up. He, he didn't believe it. So uh, then I asked the exterminator one day, I said, is it possible that fleas can get on other people's shoes and they can take it into the church without knowing it? And he said, absolutely. And I said, hmm. would you please tell this deacon that because he wouldn't believe me. Yes. And so he did, and he fired the guy. So then oh, he hired goodness. somebody else to do the exterminating the following weeks. And uh, so then uh, January came along, and they they uh, said, you're going to have to leave. And we were not even there quite a year. Mm. And uh, that was his last church. And we, they, we were told that we have to move by January. And I said, that's cold. You want us to move in January? And they... He, all he said was, yep. <laughs> and uh, wow. he was very cold himself. Mm. And uh, so we moved, you know, here in January. And for some reason, he didn't drink as much. You know, he kind of laid back on that. But it, it was too late. Because he had already uh, had drunk so much over the years that it just took over his liver and his kidneys. And so in May, uh, he fell. And he was a big guy. He fell on the floor, and I could not pick him up. Mm. So I said, Kevin, I'm going to have to call 911 because I can't pick you up. And he said, you do whatever you want, hon, because he says, I can't get up myself. So they they came to pick him up, took him to the hospital, and we waited uh, all night before they took him over to Indianapolis. They took him there because that's where they wanted to take him at. And so mm -hmm. he was there for a couple weeks until they could bring him back to transfer him to a nursing home. And uh, while he was in the nursing home, I, I don't drive, so I had friends take me to go visit him. Somebody took his wedding ring. He he wanted me to bring out the wedding ring to him because he felt closer to me. So mm. I asked him one day, where's your wedding ring? He says, I don't know. I said, it's gone. So I went to the nurse, and I said, where's my husband's wedding ring? And she says, I don't think he had one. I said, ma'am, I put it on his finger. Mm. And so I had to call the police to come out there to give a report, and they knew nothing about it. So somebody took his wedding ring. Mm -hmm. mm. And it's just like, when it rains, it pours, I guess. But uh, anyway, so they can only keep you for 100 days. And uh, then I, they brought him home. And it wasn't three days later. I told him, I said, you know, they brought you home too soon because you're going to have to go back. And he fell again, and he went back. And he never came back home. And that was in, um, let's see, he went in May. He died in October, so I think he went back in um, August, maybe. And he was there until he died. 
But uh, the uh, nurse called me three days before and said, I think it's time for you to come out and say your goodbyes to him. So I have this wow. sweet niece near Dayton, Ohio, and she uh, came to pick me up, and I just stayed there until he died. And uh, the first night, we talked, and, uh, you know, he said he was so sorry and that he made a mess of his life, and that he still loved me. And he said, would you please forgive me? And I said, absolutely. Yes. And I did. And, uh, and then he said, I'm so proud of you for taking care of the house and all the bills, because I can't mm. do that anymore. Mm. And uh, I said, well, that's my job, and I, I don't mind. And he was worried about me, and I said, please, don't worry about me, because God will take care of me. And he, he has to this day. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, the first night he was there, he... Uh, he wanted to go home. He tried to get mm-hmm. out of bed. He was shaking mm-hmm. the rails. He says, I want to get out of here. I want to go home. I said, you can't. You have to stay here. So I had to go get the nurse. They had yes. to, uh, what do they call it? They had to restrain him. Yes. You know, like put his uh, hands on the rails and restrain him because he was trying to still get out. Right. And uh, so anyway, uh, it was time for him to be given morphine, which calmed him down some. So we got to talk the rest of the night, and uh, the last words he said to me was, I love you. And uh, mm. so anyway, uh, they turned the lights off, and I stayed there the whole time, you know, for three days. And they turned the lights off, and I started talking to him. I thought maybe I'm crazy talking to him because he's asleep. But uh, the nurse came in. They said, no, you're doing the right thing because he's in transition right now. And mm-hmm. uh just keep talking to him because he needs to hear your voice. And yes. so I did. And uh, But his breathing was so heavy. It was like, <gasps> every 20 mm-hmm. seconds it was like very heavy. And so mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend on Facebook and she said, from Florida, she said, you know, you really ought to uh, play some music for him because he might really like that. So I had mm-hmm. my cell phone with me and I got on YouTube and I put some Christian instrumental music on for him and his breathing got better. Oh. Yeah, and he starts smiling, but he didn't open up his eyes, but he starts smiling, and his breathing got better, and then in the morning he was gone. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So you have been through a most difficult journey with your husband, whom you love dearly, and yet you saw a tremendous change. Yeah. And that change can um, be absolutely perplexing. struggle to believe that God loves you, that He accepts you, forgives you, and sees you as precious and beloved to Him? So many of us have a distorted image of God, that He is distant, disappointed, or doesn't care about what's going on in our lives. The truth is, God cares about you more than you believe. We want to encourage you to check out June Hunt's popular 31-day devotional, Seeing Yourself Through God's Eyes. You will gain biblical insight to help embrace the life-changing truth of the identity you have through your relationship with Jesus Christ. We give this devotional to every caller on Hope in the Night, and we give praise to God for how it has been used by Him to change so many lives for so many years. Get a copy of June Hunt's devotional, Seeing Yourself Through God's Eyes, for yourself or for a loved one at junehunt.org. That's junehunt.org. 
We would love your prayers here at Hope for the Heart. Over and over in God's Word, the Lord encourages us to lift up one another in prayer. We are reminded in 2 Corinthians 1.11, you help us by your prayers. So we want to encourage you to join the prayer team of June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart. You can join the Hope for the Heart prayer team at hopefortheheart.org pray. When you sign up to join our prayer team, we will send you an email each month to keep you updated with the latest prayer needs of June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart. Our prayer team is a great way to stay connected and support June and support the Hope of the Night broadcast. We are so grateful for your prayers and support of our listeners and friends like you who make this ministry possible. You can join our prayer team at hopefortheheart.org slash pray. That's hopefortheheart.org slash pray. And thank you for partnering with us in prayer. We're listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. This is a ministry of Hope for the Heart, and we thank you for your prayers and support of this ministry. If you have any questions or concerns about the topic of alcohol, drug abuse, we have resources on that. We'd like to recommend those to you and get those to you as quickly as we can. If you'd like those, if you'd like to, to take a look there and really see what the some of the root causes are, what the what the real definitions are, some of the characteristics of alcohol and drug abuse, and then, of course, see the solutions. All that's wrapped up in our Keys for Living, and uh, you can get those, the, uh, the Keys for Living on alcohol and drug abuse called Breaking Free and Staying Free. If you'd like to get that resource, the customer support team is available at 800-488-HOPE, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time, and they'll help you to get that. And we also have a lot of free resources there, depending on what uh, what you might be dealing with, what issues you have going on in your life. And uh, they have uh, the ability to uh, tell you and point you to some of the resources on our website that are uh, that are quick to find, free, and uh, downloadable even. Uh, so let them help you to do that. 800-488-HOPE is the number to call. You might also email them if you'd like to get in touch there. That, of course, that's 24 hours a day at customer support at hopefortheheart.org. Let's get back to our conversation tonight with Loretta. Well, Loretta, as you think about um, your whole marriage, obviously I'm gathering that the way he was for uh, the initial time of your marriage and then for a period of time that there was a heart of ministry and that there was nothing like what occurred uh, during this latter time. How long of a period of time was this change that you saw? Um, It started in, I think, 2019, and Mm. then until he died. I mean, that's when he started taking to alcohol. But before that, he was a wonderful pastor, Mm. and everybody loved him. He had good messages. And uh, he even got a Master of Divinity degree, and uh, so he, he really was very knowledgeable of the Bible. He preached from the Bible, because mm. a lot of churches wanted a pastor who didn't just stand there and read their notes, but he didn't do that. He just preached from the Bible. Mm. And so he was a good minister until, you know, he got all these pressures put on him, 
and he couldn't handle it anymore. I couldn't help him. So So basically was, you're talking about three years. You said two thousand nineteen, yes. twenty yes. and twenty one and then you said he passed away in well, you said October twenty two. So yes. uh, so three to four years. Uh, yes. but you did you're saying that you saw a dramatic change. I did. Uh, that uh, was not like him. him. Well, a lot of people have pressure. It depends on what we do with that pressure. That well, makes... they were demanding him to do more things that he could really not do mm-hmm. because he was only one pastor. We didn't have another pastor to help out. So ah, okay. it was all put on him, and he, he was only part-time. So it's just like, you know, they were asking too much. Uh-huh. And he thought that the drink would solve his problems and calm him down, but it did not. You know, he was just drowning um, in his sorrows. Mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, reading something from, I'm going to repeat it to you, Dorland's Medical Dictionary. It defines oh. intoxication as, listen to this, poisoning the state of being poisoned, and, quote, the condition produced by excessive use of alcohol, alcoholic stimulants. And I remember the first time I, I saw that many, many years ago, and I, and I thought, interesting that they call it intoxication as poisoning. Um, the, the, Reason I then I, I looked at um, in the Bible in Deuteronomy 32 verses verse beginning in verse 32, it says their grapes are filled with poison. Their wine is the venom of serpents, the deadly uh-huh. poison of cobras. Right. And I just remember that word poison in the medical dictionary, and poison oh. in scripture. Yeah. You know, in some and, movies, you'll even hear them say, what's your poison? You know, so oh. I knew that, that that's what, you know, they were talking about was alcohol. Uh-huh. You know, like long gun smoke, they say, what's your poison? And I thought, oh, wow, really? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, anyway, I didn't grow up in a house where my dad never drank, you know, and his mother was um, old German Baptist, so of course they made their own wine for communion. And, uh, mm. you know, it wasn't fermented or anything like that, but he, he grew up to like the taste of wine. Uh-huh. And well, uh, I don't know. Yet what you described um, was obviously out of character with who he had been all those years as a conscientious pastor. Um, yes, that's when, right. So and and it it does help to know that uh, like for him to come at you with a knife and yeah. literally threaten your life and, and that you wasn't dis- him either that was Satan it wasn't even yeah. his voice mm. and he had fire in his eyes he says I could kill you right now if I wanted to and I said you're not Kevin this isn't him you're the devil uh. and I want you to come out of him right now and he just left. Well, it was important that you deal with the truth, yeah. even if he 
could not um, be rational. Um, it is it is so tragic when it's someone you love dearly, and obviously you did because in yeah, the way I you did. cared for him. Um, so, what have you done with what I hear that later he? not only did not remember it and it's like no there's no way I would have done this and yet um, you, you explained and countered and showed him the knife that was still on the floor yeah. um, so he didn't deny that but um, did he ever say anything of what he thought had happened no, he could not remember anything at all. I think he just sort of blacked out. And uh, and he was diabetic, and he, his sugar was low a lot of times. And I'd have uh -huh. to remind him to take his insulin, because if he didn't, his sugar would drop, and he would be very dizzy, and he would fall. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to be a good—I used to be a nurse eight years ago. So I oh. tried to be a good nurse to him. And mm -hmm. uh, I think I did a pretty good job until the last few days— but I'm going to tell you, I feel really, really guilty about something, and that is the night that he um, died. I feel guilty because his, his skin was all yellow, but I feel guilty because I did not hug him or kiss him. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I should have done that, even though he didn't look very good. But the bed rails were up. It would have been kind of hard. But I did hold his hand a lot. But it's just like, why didn't I even try to hug him or kiss him. I did tell him I loved him, but I just feel like to this day, why didn't I try harder to hug him and let him know that, you know, I love him, even though he knew that I loved him. But yes. I think hugging is important, and so is kissing. <laughs> even if it was on the cheek, but I couldn't reach it because he was in the middle of the bed and the rails were up. You know how that is. So. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I just feel guilty that I didn't cry harder. Well, let's consider this. If you'd had any idea that that would be the last true time of of being with your husband, the husband that you knew, um, if, if you had known that, would you then have attempted to do what you wish you had done. Yes, I would have. I would have yeah. tried harder. So, I really would have. Well, God knows your heart. He does. And, and I, I was think that... A good, I was raised in a very strong Christian home, as mm -hmm. well as he was. So, you know, I read my Bible every day, and, you know, I was reading my Bible before I talked to you today, tonight. Um, Thank you. But anyway, uh, uh, I just don't know why this happened. I don't understand it, but I have been invited to other pastors' homes for dinner, and they offer wine. And of course, I refused, but he did not. And mm -hmm. I was embarrassed by that. You know, mm -hmm. that's just how it is. Well, let me ask, would he want you to feel guilty? Probably not. No. When you love someone you do what is in their best interest. Yes, and you do. You're right. He, knowing even that he was, I'm going to use the term 
at times out of control, and he didn't even know it. That can be difficult. That can be very difficult, and therefore, I think, just look at God's heart. He knew what you had done in meeting his need, in doing many, many things, just in trying to survive. Because sometimes it's an issue of survival. For example, it was appropriate for you to take safety. Uh, The Bible even says that we are to, the prudent sees difficulty um, Uh and, and danger and make preparation for it. So you you were doing what you needed to do to figure out because you knew that, that was going to be a, this was going to be a challenging time frame uh, right. not knowing it would something like this happen again and so you had to be vigilant but you also were proactive in doing what was in his best interest helping him get in a place where he could um, be helped because there's, you know, when you, there's a, a huge difference, regardless of what some people say, you know, human beings, um, males and females are uh, constructed differently. Uh, there, are, There's a huge percentage of difference between males and females, even though that's not what is being said in our current culture. But uh, you, you did not have the upper body strength for, for him being a big man uh, no. to be able to do this by yourself. And he needed assistance. So yeah. you did what's right. Thank you. That, that is what was most loving. And if, you know, whether other people understand or not, you knew that. You knew yes, that ma'am. you could not... If he falls again, you can't, you know, and that, that's part of making those very difficult decisions in regard to another person. And so I think, by the way, uh, since you know the Bible, um, there is an accuser who wants you to feel guilty. Who that's would that be? Let him do it. <laughs> yep, the, the accuser of Christians. Um, is the enemy of God who wants us to, to have false guilt. No matter what you're facing, there's hope. Sometimes it's hard to believe that. When we face challenges at home, work, in our family, or maybe a private struggle, it can be hard to see what God is doing. The good news is you're not alone. If you're facing a difficult life issue, we'd love to help. Give us a call at 1-800-917 to talk with June Hunt on the Hope in the Night broadcast. You can talk with June about any issue, whether it's family, marriage, anxiety, anger, abuse, grief, or just the everyday stress of life. June would love to hear your story and work through it together with God's Word. The Bible says there is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. If you'd like to talk with June, give us a call at 1-800-917. That's 1-800-644-4817. Your story might bless someone else's life. 
The sound you're hearing is your generosity at work. That's our folding machine preparing hundreds of our short biblical resources to send to prisoners around the country. Hi, I'm Curtis Hale, president of Hope for the Heart. I want to say thank you for your prayers and financial support of our ministry. Thanks to your generosity, we've been able to send thousands of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to prisoners in Texas and to Rikers Island in New York City. These practical resources are pointing inmates to the hope of God's Word on issues like anger, abuse, depression, loneliness, salvation, and more. They're truly changing lives, and this is all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more life-changing biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. Welcome back to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver. We want to help you, and we want to help you help others. Our customer support team can be reached at 800-488-HOPE, and they're available Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central. They'll help you to understand what God's perspective is on your issues, and uh, we have lots of resources to help you do that. Our keys for living on alcohol and drug abuse are called Breaking Free and Staying Free. Also, we've brought up the topic of guilt. We want to mention that topic to you in our keys for living called Guilt, Living Guilt-Free. And uh, customer support can help you get that or whatever resources are going to apply to your situation. The best, the number is 800-488-HOPE, 800-488-4673. If you'd like to get on the program here, talk with June about a situation going on in your, your life and talk about some of the struggles, some of the even some of the joys and uh, and also challenges of your life and whatever's going on there, just talk to us at 800-917. Leave a message there. We'll get back to you and talk to you about being on an upcoming Hope in the Night. We do have availability in the next few days, and we'd like to have you as a part of the program here. So do give us a call at 800-917. That's 800-644-4817. Let's return to tonight's conversation with Loretta. Loretta, I'm thinking about um, some of the words you said about feeling guilty because you didn't hug him uh, before he died. Uh, again, you, if you'd known he was going to die, uh, that would be, you, you, you said, no, you would have hugged him. But um, there are different ways we hug people. We can hug them through, and this is what you've done, through words that you spoke, through uh-huh. prayers that you prayed for him. Yes. Uh, a, a hug is typically thought of as, as physical, but just think of times when someone has said something and it hugged your heart that was so oh, yeah. endearing. So you did hug him. Yeah. And you, <laughs> Thank you. And, and, Thank you and for you, saying that. Well, at times we just need to think from, in fact, if we're going to be wise, the wiser we are, the more we can think as God would have us think. We would think God's thoughts. And he would not want you to be feeling guilty when look at all the things you did to 
seek to come to his aid to help him through the very tough times. And um, so I think if, if ever you start having guilt feelings, just say, Lord, thank you. That is not really from you. Um, in, in fact, uh, my friend Jeff, uh, he was talking about uh, during the break about there's the, well, there's the accuser, <laughs> and then there is the comforter. Um, the Spirit of God is your comforter. Yeah. And why, why don't you say it? I want you to, to describe what you just told me during the break, Jeff. Yeah, and I have to footnote this because a friend told me the other day, because I needed to hear it, I thought it was great as far as there being two voices that will compete for your attention in your in your mind, and there's the accuser, and there's the comforter, as you said. He told me uh, as a follow-up that the the comforter will never accuse you. The accuser will never comfort you. And mm. so listen to what you're thought. hearing. Oh, I loved it. And, and uh, he <laughs> said, so listen to what you're hearing, what, what voice you're hearing, and you knew, you know where it comes from, and then you know what to do. Yeah. And, and when we have certain recurring thoughts that are critical. Um, and I'm, I'm saying, my friend, you, you went through trauma. What, what you experienced was, was trauma because you indicated, um, was this the only time or did, were there several times that he threatened your life? Well, that was the only time. Okay. So when you look at um, the, the truth, um, life is hard. <laughs> there are things that every one of us, if we could, we would take back. We would do it differently. But yes. in truth, um, we, we don't have the ability to do the replay now, our thoughts can be replayed, but I think instead, I just want you to see how used by God you were. Uh, you And you tried very hard to get him to get the help he needed. Um, there are different kinds of programs, um, and there are people who do change at times when they become alcoholics, when they are intoxic intoxicated, uh, and they do things that uh, are irrational. And that's part of the, the issue when there is an abuse of any kind of a, a drug. Uh, and so I think the issue is God put you, obviously, in his life. You were a pastor's wife for many years. 39. And, oh, wow, 29 years. No, 39. And so, oh, I'm sorry, 39. I said it wrong. And, and, but how precious. Uh, there are so many people I've known who have said, I wanted to be a, a pastor's wife. I, I wanted to 
have that service, and they, but they never married someone in the pastorate. But you had that privilege, and you you know what it's like. All the people yes. who do need help and hope, and obviously God has used you in a precious way. Thank you. So just, I think whenever you have that thought as to feel guilty, well, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. You know, every one of us can do that with a loved one. That's we true. can think of things that we wish. But what I would think is your your life was yielded to the Lord. I'm hearing yes. that. And yes, you wanted it that way. That was yes. a choice. And so if it was essential, then I think God would have put certain thoughts in your mind and you would have done them because I'm okay. hearing that that's your heart. Yes. So it would, you know, even there, there's true guilt of us. We've all chosen wrong. We've all sinned as the Bible says and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes. Uh, that's true guilt. Every one of us. And, then there is false guilt, which can be where we're actually not guilty, but we feel guilty because of maybe something somebody has said, but somebody else has done. Or it could be that we did choose wrong, but when we confess our sins and say, Lord, I realize I was wrong, and the whole point of Jesus coming to earth was to literally die on the cross for our yeah. sins. He had other yeah. things that he did, but the the number one objective was was he was literally destined to die on the cross for us so yeah. that if we humbled our hearts and received Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, then he would forgive all of our sin, past, present, and future. That's what's extraordinary about the love of God, the grace of God, what Jesus did for you and for me. Um, and he wants all of us to come into that life-changing relationship with him. But I can tell you this, I know for certain, God does not want you living a life of regret. Oh, if only I had done this. So what you need to do, and do, do you, or do you agree with me that that would not be God's heart for you? I agree with you, and I don't think I'm going to feel like that anymore after talking with you. <laughs> Good. I think you've really helped me a lot. I think if, for you just to, if, and let's assume that the thought will come back and just say, you know, I thank you, God, that you allowed me to serve my husband, even in the midst of the challenge and the pain. Um, Lord, thank you for uh, putting me with a husband. And I remember so many of the good years. And this, this struggle that we've had at the end, um, thank you for letting me serve him unconditionally. And so I would just, because that's what you did. I didn't okay. hear that you, that you, um, 
decided I'm going to take a bus to China. You know, you 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 didn't do anything like that. No, you kept trying to figure out how do I, what what can I do? What's in the best interest of my husband? And see, that's love. The word love is agape in terms. Well, there are four different words in uh, the Greek language. There's storge, which is natural human affection. There's um, eros, which is passion. And then there's phileo. Uh, literally, it's the love of liking someone, the love of, of enjoying, the love of friendship. And, oh. it, it, and that's huge. Uh, yeah. And you can have that. And then the highest is agape, which is not an emotion. It's devotion. It's being devoted to do what's in the best interest of the other person. Okay. And that's what I, I'm hearing that you did. Yes. And, and, and at times we don't know how to chart the course for what we've not been through. But no. uh, you you were faithful to stand by his side. Not just stand. You were doing multiple things that uh, were hard, that were very hard. But in in heaven, um, he, he takes that pain and it, and he uses that pain in our lives with a purpose. I sense that you might be periodically called to help someone who doesn't know what to do with a difficult spouse. Is that true? Uh, I don't know that right now, but I mean, if it does come into my life, I mean, if I find somebody like that, I'm more than willing to help. That's it. See, you're, you would be able to do it. Whereas yes. if you haven't gone through it, you've not been there. But when we've oh. been through pain, it, I call it pain with a purpose. And so just okay. watch how God is going to use you in the future. Some, it could be someone who's struggling with false guilt, and you need to help set them free. <laughs> so I wonderful. know that God will use you, and just tell Him, Lord, I'm willing to be used in any way so that the pain that I've experienced will be used for your purpose. Well, yeah. I, think, I think you're wonderful. And I'm so glad we've had this time to talk. Um, I'm going to send you some things that I think will be helpful to you. We will send our keys for living on the topic of guilt called Living Guilt-Free. We'll send that out to tonight's caller. We do that free of charge. We're able to do that because of your generous support of this ministry. And if you'd like to give to keep those resources going out and to keep this program on the air, you may do so at hopefortheheart.org slash hope. And we thank you. You may order resources for yourself at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. Our materials and past programs are available at hopefortheheart.org. Also, our program can be found on all major podcast platforms. Until next time, for June Hunt, I'm Jeff Oliver saying you hang on to hope.